You are listening to the Virtual World Society Next End Podcast. For this episode, we invited Linda Ritchie, speaker, author, evangelist for Metaverse, AR, VR, AI, Web3, and Blockchain, VR artist, and Virtual World Society board member. To get involved with our organization, head over to virtualworldsociety.org. What is going on, everybody? It is Maxwell with the Virtual World Society Next and Podcast. Incredibly excited to be here with the one, the only Linda Ritchie, speaker, author, evangelist for Metaverse, AR, VR, AI, Web3, and blockchain, as well as a VR artist and a Virtual World Society board member. Linda, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. What an intro. I'm blushing, Max. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a wonderful thing. That's what I want for all of my guests. And you have <laughs> such an impressive resume of the things that you've been involved with, especially with technology. And how did you get involved with technology? When did you realize that, hey, I want to go work for Meta. I want to go work in, in this advanced tech world. I didn't. It was never intentional. Um, I think I was destined to be there, though. I've always been enormously attracted to technology. I, I got my only Saturday detention in high school for cutting gym to go to the computer lab. So I mean, the handwriting was on the wall. Um, after grad school, I ended up working for a multinational, a Fortune 200 in Europe. Um, and they were dealing with new technologies showing up on their market, and they didn't know what to do about it. So they hired me, I was very lucky, and very young. Uh, in retrospect, uh, to lead new product development and figure out what that meant. And from then on, it kind of set the tone. It was always about new technology showing up and the impact it was going to have. Were you always excited by new technology coming out and and evolving <laughs> over time? Because we, we've we certainly had a lot of different tech come, uh, come out over the years. I mean, we started yeah. with simple computers that yeah. could do a couple of functions. And now we are at entirely digitally produced worlds. Were you yeah. always excited every time new tech would come out, a new phone, a new headset, a new everything? You know, I'm not so, if this sounds funny, the hardware or the technology itself isn't what gets me excited. It's the how we adopt it, how we use it, how it changes what we do. I think ultimately humans are connectors. They want to connect with other people. And we don't have communities anymore, but technology has enabled that. So it's more about the technology. And I'm fascinated by how we pick it up and play with it and how it affects us and, and that endless loop of it affects us. And then new technology shows up and then we take advantage of it. And it, it and, and it's the impact. So it, it's more about the, I'm not an engineer. I don't need to pick it up, turn it over and see how it works uh, necessarily. Sometimes I do, but for the most part, I don't. It's about how we as humans interact with it. Yeah. Well, there's such a social element to technology and oh, we use yeah. it we use it to communicate with each other and yeah. do you think that the virtual reality industry has brought people together because what i noticed especially about this business and especially about awe is one thing that i always hear all these different accents at work, I work at Engage XR. I work, I, I, I work with you know people online and and virtually. I have never been in a business where I hear so many action accents. Yeah. You know, it's, whether it be British or Japanese, whatever it might be. Is 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 yeah. that what you love about this? 
I mean, I grew up quite internationally. I have parents from other countries and I grew up traveling a lot as a child as well. So I think I, one of the reasons I love, I love social VR. Um, it, the technology technology wasn't always social. It was quite hard to do chat rooms back in the day, which I did uh, with, you know, um, but I think that it's an increasingly we're flattening the world even farther. The world has been moving towards flattened, being flattened for a long time now, but last hundred some years. Um, and this is just another way. And once once a week, I spend Monday nights with a bunch of people with the XR Social Club and we go world exploring together. And there's people from all over the world participating in that every week. And I've never met most of them. And I only know them as avatars and chili peppers and hot dogs and whatever. But I have built actual relationships and friendships with people that I've never met. But I, I think we need a new vocabulary for that because I do know them and I have met them. I just haven't met them in person. And, and yes, I think the social aspect of VR the, the, is, is phenomenal for that. And I hope that it continues to break down barriers that way and that people can learn to interact with people from other cultures and all that stuff and actually advance humanity. That sounds very, um, you know, idealistic, but yeah, I do. I do love it. Well, is, is metaverse a good term for that of uh, meeting people <laughs> in, in the metaverse? Do you think? I, I'm not a fan of the word to be perfectly honest. I prefer spatial computing. Um, I've been talking about VR for probably 30 years now. Um, and I, I prefer the term spatial computing. Um, I mean, I can fault meta for making a lot of hype and, you know, and Neil Stevenson, who was going to be at our breakfast, we can talk about that later, uh, for coming up the word. But, um, I also think that it brought a lot of attention. So if that's the default word that people understand, then I'm okay with that. Uh, I do personally prefer the word spatial computing, but that's just me. Do you think of the meta kind of you say you said uh, there were, there was a lot of hype behind it? You know, we we remember that commercial where Meta was talking about the metaverse, and and there was a lot of hype behind it. Did yeah. it did it do a little bit of harm? Did it do a little bit of good? What, what do you both. think? I think yeah. it did both. I, I think it brought attention. I mean, I, I literally was sitting at the hairdressers one day, and my hairdresser was asking me about this stuff, and I think that's fantastic. That means that people, everyday people, were aware of it, were um, understood. Um, what was happening and they wanted to know about it. I think that's great. It brought a lot of investment to the industry, which is phenomenal, a lot of attention. At the same time, it promised, you know, the Ready Player One movie, which is great for Hollywood, but we're not there yet. So I think there's a, a, a gap, a bit of a gap between the actual experience and what people are expecting and, and what we can still deliver. And that's a shame. But uh, Meta definitely made people more excited about the idea and, and grew awareness for it. As a consultant, do you find that explaining the metaverse to clients or to individuals that might not understand it is is kind yeah. of tough because they have they kind of have their own perspectives? It is. And it, yeah. it's hard. It's, I was I know this is a, a bad joke, but it's like the matrix. You can't you can't explain it. You have to experience it. That being said, I had I have done it the following way. And this is actually what got me to do a TED talk about this. And it's about social VR. But I was sitting around a fire, literally a fire pit with a bunch of friends that I see once a year. And if one of the friends is from Italy and he was just come back from his annual trip. And I said, wouldn't it be phenomenal if you could sit around this virtual fire pit with your friends and your family from around the world and to that point about connecting and just do this regularly and not have to do it once a year. And that was what sparked his interest because before then he's a very smart guy, very educated. He's, a, he's into technology as a career. So it wasn't that he just had never done it. So he didn't understand. And I was like, you could recreate this. So 
the funny thing is with my TED talk where I talked about social VR was the opening slide was, you know, the caveman sitting around the fireplace. Um, and the closing slide was a bunch of avatars sitting around a virtual fireplace in, in VR chat. Um, because that's what it is. I, 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 it is bringing people together that can't be there. And that's the kind, I don't think you can explain it intellectually. You have to speak to the emotions of, uh, I'm actually in the process, it's taking me a while because I'm not finishing it, but of recreating the house I grew up in. We used to have massive parties in this really amazing house. And so I'm recreating it so we can have my family from all over the world and other people come back into that space and recreate that. So I think, you know, VR has a lot of connection and emotional potential. And that's one of the things I really love about it. Is, is being able to just bring everybody together. It seems that virtual reality is kind of an empathetic technology in a way because so. it enhances so. the the human experience. You know, you can you could sit around a virtual fire or you can ride dragons together, you know, depending on <laughs> yes. depending on the yes. day of the week and what you what you feel yes. like doing, but you could still give each other that high five in both experiences and and yeah. experience that that emotion, yeah. you know. Yeah. And and that's a that's a beautiful thing. Is that the reason that you joined Meta, or did you have a different reason for for joining the company? No, I oh lordy, um, Meta. I was approached by Meta. They um, they had that one hundred and fifty million dollar immersive learning fund that they were talking about last year, um, and I I'm not sure I would have ever necessarily worked at Meta per se, um, but the opportunity to set up global partnerships around that fund and make sure that the next generation of people have access to education because there is this technology out there is what I really was, how they got me, frankly. Um, you know, I think they actually, there was a team of people and they were absolutely dedicated to making sure that people around the world had, you know, access to education. And I think VR potentially democratizes education. Yes, we can do it with, you know, the Zooms and the videos, but the actual opportunity to immerse yourself in the experience, be in the classroom with other kids, and as well as enhance the experience by seeing those molecules in 3D or watching the battle as it happens in front of you and being in the middle of it, whatever that is. Um, so that was where I really, um, my, my mom grew up in post-World War II Europe. And, you know, education was something that she did not have access to. And I think that, yeah, you know, there's brains and intelligence everywhere and people should have the opportunities. And this is a tool that will help that. So that's how they kind of got me. Yeah. Well, it is a beautiful tool. It really is. Yeah. And, 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 you know, Meta has, has certainly created things that are, are popular. They've created the quest Two, which I know is popular in, in a lot of those cases, especially with that funding and, and with the, the headsets that are involved with it and the software such as I, I work full time and engage uh, XR and we have alt space and spatial and yeah. all these different technologies that mix together and you being a, a consultant for all of these new technologies, especially AI. How do they all connect together? Because VR seems to be more so about uh, about empathy. Are these other technologies, such as blockchain, such as AR, are they also about empathy, or do they all have their own kind of unique piece to them? Well, I think blockchain and AI are different levels. Like, there's different levels of spatial computing. I want to stick to my term. Right, there's a transactional layer. There's the ownership authentication layer. And I think that's where blockchain is playing a role. Um, AI is a new, you know, I think it's going to enhance uh, the VR creation side, particularly it is a having done it for a couple of years now, it is enormously difficult to do still, you know, there's like five different programs you need to learn to get this thing done. I know Engage has made it easier. I am actually a beta tester for, for the, being an artist there. So I have my own little mad lab and Engage as well. Um, 
you know, and, and it's getting easier, but still making VR and making 3D stuff and making AR is a little easier, but not much because the start of the process is the same. Um, it is hard, right? And as soon as we can make it easier for people to create things, the faster that content and those different experiences will be created. So I think that's where AI is going to play a role um, in the spatial computing space, which is, you know, I've already been, again, I'm, I get to be on the beta test for all these really cool things. Luma, Luma Labs uh, gave us beta. I was a judge at the MIT Hackathon and they gave all the people there beta access to the text to 3D mesh program you know they have and it's not that great yet but it's going to be there and it, pretty soon you're going to have to know you know countless hours of studying how blender works and 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 unity and you know all these things you still got to know um to make it work and i think right now when you're creating you're still creating a lot around limitations and and figuring out how to get around them and make it work for you and god knows whatever the technology is i always make my computer crash and push it to the limit right i just but it, wouldn't it be amazing if you could just create without limits? And I think that's where AI is going to play a role. And as soon as that will help jumpstart the creation of content and other things and things people want, um, because it costs so much money to make it right now as professionally as well. So that's where I think AI is probably going to play the biggest role. But I don't see them. They're all they're all um, ecosystem of, of technologies that work together. And AR as well. I mean, AR for in-house. I mean, the, the line between what is real, whether it's in your house or whether you're walking down the street or whether you immerse yourself, it doesn't matter. It's about this digital next dimension that we are experiencing over, over the quote unquote real world. Um, you know, that, that, so I, I see them all as a working together. Yeah. I love what you say about the ecosystem, you know, yeah. uh, working together and, and, and similar to the animal kingdom, you know, and we think of technology now almost as an extension of ourselves rather than the, uh, rather than the replacement. And, I, you know, I, I, I also really love your thoughts on on AI, how tremendously beneficial it's going to be, especially for developers. And ChatGPT, as an example, can write code, can fix code, yeah. can do things to make it easier for the general public or people that aren't necessarily coders or engineers yeah. to be creatives. And yeah. what do you think is going to come of this now, knowing that AI is going to advance to a point where people who are not necessarily engineers or not coders can now create to their heart's content. It's it's a lot easier to create these digital environments and these digital experiences. Yeah. Can creatives really kind of push that forward? Because engineers can be very technical minded. You mm -hmm. know, they can they can build things, but they're not right. always necessarily sure what to build. When you put yeah. the technology in the hands of people that know what to build, what do you think is going to be is going to be created and come from that? Well, I, I'm not sure. And I think that's the beauty of it is you, you can't anticipate this stuff. You have to wait and see what because people always come up with stuff. You've never even like, well, I never thought of that. I did have a really interesting talk with um, a friend of mine who worked at the Walmart Innovation Group, you know, and they were very uh, engaged with it, this stuff. And I, I think that we will see. I mean, I, it's a, um, I was around, God, I'm going to date myself now. I was around when digital printing uh, <clears throat> came out <clears throat> and, um, you know, it was the same thing. All of a sudden you didn't have to have a studied graphic design and learned how to do Ruby lists and Amber lists and exacto knives and overlays and all that stuff, which by the way, I started that way. Um, and all of a sudden anybody could do 
whatever they wanted with the with the computer. And all of a sudden there was like 10 fonts and five colors and it was awful, right? So there's going to be space for awful just as much as there's space for really beautifully produced. I do think that the people who have, oh, this is what my point about the Walmart group is a lot of the people sitting there um, actually had backgrounds in restaurant and store design. And for me, that's, you can always teach people how to use the tools, but the fact that they knew how to create environments that people wanted to be in is the key, right? You can technically make anything if you know how to do that. You can design anything you want, but designing an environment and an experience that it makes people want to be there, that is the key skill. Yeah, I love that. Makes people want to be there is, mm -hmm. I feel such a cornerstone of creating these experiences, you know? Yeah. Makes people want to go to a concert, makes people want to play a video game, makes people want to listen to a song. And with these, massive amount of experiences i i'm i'm sure you are 100 percent right there's going to be room for awful and there's going to be room there's <laughs> going to be, be room horrible. for 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 good and yeah. i've i've noticed there there really is a lot of good in virtual reality and and, and what yeah. they can do uh you know james origo who is um the uh founder of of lad in a battle who creates these experiences for uh, children with cancer and children that are that are have terminal cancer and want to live out these fantasies and and yep. they can and yep. just the the good that comes from it can be really really yep. beautiful and awe is definitely a place where we're going to get to share that and collaborate and experience and have you been to awe for uh, for the past couple of years i have i've been a few times actually um we're doing something really the vws is doing something really interesting there um so you know, we were talking, sitting around Tom Furness, of course, big brain, you know, Alvin Rayland, big brain, get to sit around with all these really smart people, which is so much fun. And we were just chatting and we thought, we thought that maybe it was a really good time to call for a bunch of the OGs in the industry and some of the industry leaders to have a, just a small breakfast where we're going to sit and talk about these kinds of things. Um, so just to let you know what that, what that's about, we are doing a very small breakfast, very is private. So you can't participate. I can't tell you how many people have said, I want to be a fly on that wall because we're going to have Neil Stevenson there. We're going to have, you know, Philip Rosedale and all these really cool people, but it needs to be small intentionally because I want them to feel that they are comfortable to say whatever they want. So we're not going to have press there. Sorry, Max. <laughs> Um, but what we're going to do is we're going to ask, we have a poll going out on social media. We're doing this in conjunction with the VRAR Association and AWE. And we're going to have a poll going out to the, whoever wants to answer and say, what would you like to hear us talk about? What would you like, if you were a fly on that wall, what would you want to hear? Uh, we're going to take the results of that. We're going to have that be one of the things we talk about in the room. And then the next day, Alvin and Tom are, have a fireside chat at AWE and I'm moderating it. And we are going to include some of the things that come out of that so that people can hear a closure between this is what we asked about, this is what we talked about, and this is what we're gonna, what w some of the things we came up with. And we're gonna generate reports and other stuff out of it, of course. But um, I have to say, I think this is gonna be one of the highlights of my life to get around, sit around with a bunch of people, you know, chatting about this stuff. Uh, but that's what we're doing is, you know, I, we have these amazing people in, our, in, our, in the VWS. So that was one of the things we just thought this would be really fun to do. Uh, so that's what's happening at AWE. That's incredible and awesome yeah. and yeah. very cool. It is such a secretive meeting. I, I like that it's secretive. It's not, it's not secretive intentionally. I got to be honest yeah. with you. We're not trying to appear like we're on high or anything like that. It was a necessity because you can't have a really good conversation with more than a handful of people. Yeah. Um, 
you know, to, to make it something that actually was useful and they didn't just all go back into their corporate speak. We wanted to make sure that they felt comfortable. Uh, it is at 730 in the morning, so I don't know how awake I'm going to be. Right. But, <laughs> uh, um, but, you know, it was it was more like we have all these people in the space at the same time. Let's take advantage of that. And then how do we involve the bigger picture because we didn't want it to be sitting on high, right? We don't want it to be that. Um, but we like, I'm hoping that people actually do partake in this poll, tell us what they want and that they come listen to the fireside chat either in person or afterwards on AW live and, um, and that they feel engaged and that we can keep talking about this stuff. This is hopefully not a one-time event. Uh, we just, it was an opportunity that we could not miss. Yeah, absolutely. And people who want to participate, they will be able to do so online. Uh, will yes. it be on the Virtual World Society website? We are going to, uh, I don't think technically we can put a poll on there just because we were trying to figure out how to do this to make sure that it counted the votes properly. Um, I think we're going to do it on LinkedIn. We're going to post it on LinkedIn. The VRAR Association is also going to do it on LinkedIn. So there will be, you know, a, a number of questions plus an open question about you know, not listed here. Um, and just to get some feedback about what are top of people's minds. And I know the industry is going through a lot of big changes this year. Um, so I'm sure there's a lot of hot topics people want to want to see us talk about. We only have an hour and a half. I don't think we can talk about everything, but I would love to see what people are thinking because we. I, I, I'm always a fan for asking. Like, you can't second guess what the market is talking about and what they want. I know what I think, but I don't know what they think. So let's ask them. So we're going to ask them. We're going to talk about it. We're going to come out of it. We're going to report on it immediately, hopefully, or pretty immediately. And then we're going to put out a report and other things that will be on the VRAR Association's website and their, their email list. And the virtual world is the same thing. You are a specialist and expert in this industry. I am very curious if you have any predictions yourself of what <laughs> is going to be people's top of mind. I wrote the damn poll, so you'd think I would. But um, I I think everybody's curious about AI and the impact of AI. Um, I think a lot of people see it as some separate thing, and I think that it isn't. Um, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people are asking about that. Unfortunately, I also know a lot of people in the industry who aren't doing so well right now, right? There's not a whole lot of work. People are, you know, not doing so well. So unfortunately, we are in a somewhat of a downturn. I think it is temporary, and I'm sure that we're just going to keep going. And actually, I think the focus off of us, the XR group this year, is probably good because we can we can just slowly start to build again, which is what we should have been doing in the first place. Because um, we have been for decades, right? It's it's This is not our first radio in terms of the industry downturn or any of this. Um, I uh, one of the questions I have for the people at the breakfast is how do you how do you think we what can the, we do as an industry to escape what I'm calling um, escape velocity? How, how can we reach escape velocity that that next time there's a down, we don't we don't when we have a downturn, we don't say, wow, the Internet's gone this year. Right. They've achieved escape velocity. So how do we escape how do we do that too so that our industry the next time there's a tech downturn the you know industry economy all that stuff we're just so part of the ubiquitous world that nobody even thinks to ask that and that's what i call escape velocity and that is actually one of my questions for the people at the breakfast um is well how do we how do we achieve escape velocity yeah it is amazing to see the technologies that have achieved that over time, especially considering a lot of people didn't necessarily believe in them. There was a time where the Internet was coming around and people oh, yeah. thought, yeah, yeah, people thought, oh, yeah. you know, there's oh, yeah. the, 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 this isn't going to catch on. This isn't going to yeah. be anything. 
and they now the internet yeah <laughs> television Radio. as well yeah, and cars cars people didn't believe in cars either i mean absolutely all of it. podcasts yeah. all of it. Podcasts, <laughs> this, this is still around yeah. yeah exactly so you know. we're going to be here i think spatial computing is a natural next step in computing we are 3d creatures we evolved to be 3d creatures we interact with 3d in a much more natural way and um so i don't think that's a question and it's absolutely going to happen you know be there but how do we get all these unbelievably disparate fragment fragmented technologies and 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 things to start working i mean it's a difficult thing to do right the interoperability issue so that's kind of some of the things we'll be hopefully covering in the breakfast um if i get people really strong coffee <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> well, I, I think uh, especially having it that early in the morning and uh, and having some really strong coffee. I, I don't know about you, but I, I when I'm as soon as I like wake up immediately, my brain just floods with all the ideas, all the ideas of the day. And not then not that's not. what that's what happens with me. No, no, no. Mornings. I'm a slow person in the morning, but I will be I will be wide awake. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, well, it's it's definitely a meeting that is uh, is inspirational and awesome. And I know not not intentionally secretive, but, no. you know, at the same time, there is a there is a there is a vibe to it. There's an energy to 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 that particular meeting. And I, I think it's going to be awesome. And I also think that obviously AI is going to be something that's integrated and, and something that's going to be talked about. Mm -hmm. And. Do you think AI is going to be that glue, that centerpiece where everything is around it and AI is pulling everything together or or an alternative? Well, for me, I think what's critical is interoperability, frankly. I think the ability for a consumer, if you look at it from a consumer's point of view or a human point of view, and they want their stuff to be their stuff regardless of where they go. They want to be able to express themselves and they don't want to have to set up a different avatar every time. Although Ready Player One is, or Ready Player Me is starting to get there. But like Ready Player Me has just done the very first steps towards. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that it has to all be blockchain based. It doesn't mean that there aren't going to be companies that have their, you know, their, their version of their, whatever they want when you get there. But in terms of being able to move between things and take your things and, I think the open metaverse and I think interoperability are really critical to making this work. Otherwise, we just got a whole lot of walled gardens and uh, nobody wants that. I will, a few do, I will not say who, but um, for the most part, I think the key to financial success is making it easy and making it ubiquitous and making it for people to be able, from a consumer's point of view, seamless. And that I personally, that's what I think is, is a really critical component of success. Yeah, it does certainly seem like virtual reality has, although advanced over the years, had a little bit of a slow turnaround time as far as being incorporated into our into our everyday lives. I mean, yeah. a lot of people aren't even aware of how amazing virtual reality is these days. And when incorporating yeah. other technologies, people can go on their phone. I can take my iPhone and I can download Polycam and yeah. I can take a 3D scan of my car and then yeah. I can import that into Engage, put a seat inside that car, and then I can be driving my own 3D model of my own car. I can do yeah. all of these things for either free or a very, very small cost. Yeah. So it seems like consumers are, are also at the same time unaware of a lot of the things virtual reality can do. 
Yeah, I have a theory about that. I, so B2B enterprise is doing much better, I think, in terms of adoption um, than necessarily consumer. Um, not everybody's a gamer. I am actually not a gamer. I hate games. I hated Monopoly as a child and has gone on since there. I, am, I do not appreciate games. Um, but, so we, we don't have a whole lot of variety yet for everybody who's out there. Um, I think the social aspect is something most people don't understand. But just like, if you recall at the beginning of COVID, there was a lot of people who really weren't techie and didn't like Zoom. And all of a sudden they had to start using it, right? And they were like kicking and screaming. And then a couple months later, all of a sudden everybody was doing dinners with their family and, you know, over Zoom, right? People started adopting this technology. I'm kind of wondering if the future of work, where it was such an obvious fit to be able to have a, a, a geographically spread out workforce and, and, and that meeting in VR is so much more humane and efficient than necessarily sitting in front of a Zoom screen, that companies aren't gonna start willing that it's a lot cheaper to send a good headset, a decent computer and some broadband for good access to wherever these people are sitting and they don't have to pay for commercial real estate. And actually the future of work is going to be in XR, at least partially. I, I do truly believe that. I was talking to Microsoft a while back about working with them on the future of work because I actually think that's a really important, and then they had a reorg, but there you go. Um, but I think um, I think that the same thing might happen here where people are using it for work, not just for, for, for the future, you know, education, for work, for healthcare, wonderful applications for enterprise, for manufacturing, all these things could be using, are, more, are adopting it more easily than necessarily the consumers are. And that once the consumers get used to using it in a, in a more professional setting, they will then start using it for more fun. And then the content will start to be where they want because it'll be easier to make at that point. So I, I actually think that enterprise is, gonna, is leading the way also for even for consumer adoption, because there's only so much VR you're going to do if you're a gamer. Like there's a very small number of people who do a lot, but I don't think it's quite, I mean, I don't know. That's just my personal theory. You actually just blew my mind with that theory because it's so yeah. logical and it, it makes so much sense that people will adopt more virtual reality dependent on, oh, okay, if the workforce is using it, yeah. People can say, you know, I used to have dinners with with family in Italy, you know, yeah. through through Zoom. Yeah. But now I can actually see them across okay. the table. I can yeah. get up. I can yeah. walk over to them. I can yeah. hug them. I can do these yeah. things. It's yeah. a brilliant theory. And, and it honestly makes so much sense. And I, I seriously think that that is exactly that. what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I just for me, it's like because getting people to buy a you know four hundred dollars, three hundred, whatever it is, you know, the cheapest has the, the the quest two right now, and and trying it and not quite getting it, I think is is a harder sell than necessarily you have to do it through work or whatever, and then all of a sudden you realize the hurdle to the barrier to entry has been crossed, and all of a sudden you're not so scared of this weird thing sitting on your face. Right, right. You get used yeah. to it. That's what we can say as both people who have <laughs> used VR headsets. You get used to it. Well, there's some pretty cool ones coming on the market that are pretty small. So, Ooh, I think yes, that's be, yeah, the new the new Vive headset, I believe the XR Elite. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah I gorgeous. I got to try it at the Hackathon. It was beautiful. Oh, I'm so jealous. It's so cool. You know, it was gorgeous. It was yeah. absolutely beautiful. But there's <laughs> others too. I, it, it, yeah, I think you know those will get better. People will start to use it for work, and then all of a sudden it'll be something people understand. Well, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to invest in that theory. I'm going to bet on that. I'm going to bet on that theory. I literally wish it was a stock right now, honestly, because it just makes so much sense. It, it it does, you know, because I'm realizing that's pretty much what happened to me. That's how I got so involved with virtual reality is 
is I was like, I can use it for class. I can use it in in the classroom. I was a professor when the pandemic first hit. And I I thought to myself, I can use this to meet with my students and the students loved it. And it was great. It was relatively inexpensive, a lot less expensive than having a whole university, you know, and all these buildings and all this overhead. So it seriously is a a brilliant theory. And uh, yeah. Gage um, Gage is pretty involved in that space in the education space. They're doing an amazing job of, you know, digital twins and and campuses and all kinds of stuff. So I think they're they see that um, Engage is very smart. Yeah, yeah. Engage is they're a great organization to work for. So yeah. shout out to them for keeping me employed. Um, <laughs> and uh, and and also I I host the live metaverse talk show Engaged that I'm having okay. Angelina Dayton on uh, yes. uh, next week. And I want to have you on that show too. I'd love so to be. I think I'm a that fan. would be. Great. I've been a fan of Engage for a long time. I, I, no, I, I've met Dale, David and, and I know Chris Madsen real well and Steve Lewis. I know the whole Oh, yeah. Team. All, yeah. all beautiful people, all great people, yeah, and I'm lucky to work with them. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, seriously, it's been an honor to have you on this podcast and to get your perspectives. You are a brilliant individual and professional in this uh, in this industry, and it is great to get to talk to you. And I'm so excited to be able to meet you uh, at uh, at AWE. Yes, I am looking forward to it. Thank you so much for having me here. This has been really fun. Absolutely. It's always a good time when I get to talk to cool people. So (laughs) thank you so much again. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Next in Podcast. You can listen to us every week. My name is Maxwell McGee, and we will see you next time.